Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and today I have with me Father Andy Boyd. How are you doing, Andy? Yes, yes, I'm here. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Vince. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh... I feel like we should be in front of a fireplace, like, by the tree, with the crackling of the wood. Well, I'll do my own, our own sound effects tonight. Thank you. So, you you do realize this is a, uh, an audio podcast, so all you had to do was say, and we're sitting by Vince's fireplace... With the the logs, the Remember, Yule log. Remember, we talked about this ahead of time. A Catholic priest can't lie. You know that's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, we're we're in my studio, which is my basement. Uh, no fire going, but uh, we were uh, before we started just talking a little bit about Christmas and some of our plans. Um, so, I mean, I guess real quick, Andy, what are your plans for Christmas this year? Well, this year. Uh, for all of my parishioners that might be listening, you probably have already been to Mass, but Christmas Eve, we are going to be, uh, I have the 4.30 Mass at St. Mary's Church, and then I'll have Christmas Eve celebrations with the family. So I have mom and dad coming down, and my brother, and my aunts, and uncles, and cousins. So there's probably about 20 people that'll be coming down to the rectory for Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, uh, we will have I have mass at 9:30 and you know spending time with family for the rest of the day and I'll be back up in Erie for a bit of the day but that's just a brief look at the day it's going to be full of time of eating and family and uh hopefully hopefully somewhere in there some rest what about you Vince what do you what are your plans for the big day well every uh christmas eve we head down to pittsburgh uh, that's where I grew up, and that's where my family resides still. And so we do, uh, we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve down there. And so I'll first start out on my mom's side of the family. We'll go to my uncle's house, um, and we'll do a whole celebration, open presents, eat a bunch of food, uh, make ourselves sick uh, with all the cookies and stuff that, that gets made. And then that evening, I'll go over to my aunt's side of the house on my dad's side of the family, and repeat that same process. Sounds about right. And then we'll <clears throat> we'll come back up, and uh, and then on Christmas Day we'll go to mass in the morning, and then we typically open presents after church, and uh, just spend the time as a family. That's nice. That's good that you have those opportunities to do those things. It's good to have a good uh, Christmas plan like that. Yeah, every year Christmas it's always uh, it's always interesting. You know, lately it's. As adults, you know, my brother's seven years older than me, so um, there's a little bit of a age difference there. And so we don't really have any of the old traditions left. We don't get up on Christmas Day and open presents. Those presents have already been purchased and opened months in advance. So we kind of all, it's just nice to, nice to get together. You just get together as a family and, and spend time with each other. And eat. Lots and of eat. eating. Yeah. Lots of eating. Well, it's a celebration and that's what we can do. That's right. right. So uh, we mentioned during our last episode on Advent that um, the things that, you know, you can do to prepare for Advent. Absolutely. So why don't you tell me some of the things that or uh, I'm sorry, prepare for Christmas during yeah. Advent. Yeah. So during the Advent season, what are some things that you did? Well, other than everything that goes with the life of a priest, you know, celebrating masses, funerals, uh, baptisms, confessions, that's a big one. You know, I think that uh, 
a lot of my time was spent in Advent hearing people's confessions, which is a good thing, a really good thing, an awesome thing. And you'll hear in a few weeks about our whole conversation on uh, confessions. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. So, which it, it's a very good conversation. Um, and it's one that we all need to continue to have uh, regularly, about once a month, every single person regularly. But, you know, so that's a lot of the busy work, if you could say, or my work that I've been doing. But things that I've been doing, well, first I decorated the house. Got to do that, especially with 20 people coming for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah, that's a lot of people in that house. It's a lot of people, you know. Uh, but it'll be nice. It'll be nice to have the whole house filled with people uh, spending the night and getting up the next day, having breakfast when I get back from Mass. But then uh, the other thing I did was, well, I tried to. I, tr- I tried to. I like watching Christmas Vacation. You know, it's a funny movie. It's stupid, but it's funny. It's funny, you know? And we make, we joke about it every year in my family. We always can quote uh, Cousin Eddie when he's emptying the trailer and other fun phrases that they use in that movie. Oh, sure. We, we can quote it back and forth. My brother and I quote it back and forth to each other. Well, I turned it on. Turned it on a few days ago. And the next thing I knew, it was midnight. So I don't even remember a single thing. You passed out. Oh, I was out like a light. I got a few days to break the uh, fourth wall here. I got a few days I can still get that done, but, you know, still, it's difficult. So, but then on Christmas Eve, have you ever seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? No, I haven't. Uh, to be honest with you, I never was really never into movies growing up, and yeah. right now, uh, the largest TV we have in the house, I think, is a 24-inch TV uh, that we mainly use for my daughter, and honestly, I... Probably haven't watched a movie in a couple of years. Well, I want to encourage you at some point in your life, you have got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Because it's my favorite Christmas movie. In fact, I was walking through the grade school at my parish, and they were watching it today when I went through their Christmas, uh, whatever, their Christmas parties, their end of school Christmas. I had to stop and watch it. It was just, (laughs) I love watching the movie. Mary, Mary. And, and everything else, all the other fun quotes that you can quote from that movie. But it's a great story. Didn't that take place in England? Or no. am I thinking about a different You're movie? You're thinking of a different one. You're okay. definitely thinking of a different one. No, no, no. This is, this is in uh, a made-up town, but um, it's, it's in the United States. And it's all about uh, the fight between um, Peter Bailey and Mr. Potter. And... Uh, or not, not Peter, George Bailey, George Bailey. George Bailey ends up uh, becoming this very suicidal father figure because um, his uncle lost all the money from their bank and it, it he wants to kill himself, but an angel is sent to save him. An angel is sent to save him and walk him through and show him that his life has purpose and his life has meaning. And it's it's a real redemption story for all of us, but it just has some of the absolute worst comedy and it's just, it's so funny. And every year, Christmas Eve, it's always, well, at least it used to always be on CBS. Um, and we would always sit down after dinner, like at, I think it's nine o'clock at night, and watch this. And it'd be myself and my three uncles and my brother. Uh, my dad hates it. My dad absolutely hates it. My mom's asleep by this point. But we would just sit down, myself, my brother, and my uncles, we just watch this movie. And we would we could quote it back and forth to each other. Such a good time. But those are, you know, the fun memories. And it's a good um, narrative for Christmas, the whole idea that everybody's life is important. 
And as Catholics, we preach that. Every life is important from conception through natural death. Every life is important. And this just goes to show it in a very real way. So that's one of the things that we do on Christmas is a part of our tradition of... Um, it hasn't happened the last few years because, of course, being a priest last year, I had the Midnight Mass, and then the year before that, I was in Punxsutawney, and the year before that, I was in Punxsutawney. So it doesn't always work out. Sure. But. Yeah, well, you'll have to forgive uh, forgive my ignorance when it comes to, to movies because it's just not something. I, I've always I've always been the guy that uh, that doesn't get the jokes and doesn't get the references because I just don't watch. That in sports, it's another thing. Well, you know, honestly, if uh, to, truth be told, I don't watch many movies anymore, and uh, there's just specific ones, of course, in life that I oh, sure. have to watch. But yeah. I'm also there with you on sports ball. Other than baseball, sports ball is just, I, I, I can't get into it. I don't watch the Super Bowl. I get bored with it. I think it's stupid. But that's besides the point. Yeah, I'll watch it for the commercials. Although last year's weren't they very were good at all. The, they were horrible. Not like whatever, you know, what I remember growing up with, the, some of the just the funniest commercials in the world. Now they're just stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, like we mentioned all these things in our Advent episode uh, that you can do. And one of the things that I really uh, wanted to focus on was um, was doing the Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah. I just recently started doing that, and I found it uh, to be, uh, I don't know, just uh, it's a different experience, yes. different prayer experience, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And especially when I'm by myself and I can actually chant, because I'm not going to do that with anybody else <laughs> in the room. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but but I, re- I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, like everything that I do, that I tell myself that I'm going to do, that I start doing, uh, things get in the way, things come up, and and I don't go through with them. And so I was doing it for a while, and then all of a sudden, we got busy, and just that just didn't happen as much. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't do all of them, and sometimes I would just do one a day, and then I get to one the past couple of days I haven't done it at all. Yeah, yeah, and you know, honestly, that's something in seminary that we talk about often because, you know, as a priest, I have to uh, celebrate the liturgy, the hours, which isn't a full hour for anybody that's like hearing, oh my gosh, you have to pray. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, not even. If, if you're, there's sometimes when you're busy, though, it can be spread over an hour because no, sure. you're in the middle of it. And then I like my favorite was this morning. I'm in the middle of my morning prayer, but then I got to go let the dog out. And then uh, he's crying. I'm like, I can't ignore the dog crying because I'm going to get yelled at by a parishioner or something. So I got to let the dog back. It just, it doesn't happen sometimes in a very cohesive way. But in other times, it's a beautiful experience of prayer. Absolutely. And every time, you saw my home altar, I'm yeah. sure. Every time I light my candles, turn the lights out, you just get into prayer, the dog real, rings the bell to go outside. Yep. It's like, really, dude? Really? Yeah. You have to do yeah. that right now? Yeah. So anyway, that's the one thing that uh, I haven't really had a chance to, I kind of, I failed myself on, but it's something that I at least got to experience it and I desire to do it again. So I'm going, I, and I will, I'm going to make time for it. Good. And um, keep, keep give, you know, don't give up. It's, that's another thing. Seminary to say, you know, you might not want to do it. Uh, being that we're required to it, but you don't, you're not, but you might not want to, but in the end, it's always a beneficial experience, whether it's for you or for someone else. And to be honest with you, I never really understood or had a liking for the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until I started doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what got me to just really see the beauty of it that people always talk about that. I was always like, it's just this confusing poems and poetry that I, I have sure. no desire. Sure. I do now. Yeah. Love it. And that's what kind of opened me up to it. And I, th- 
really enjoy it. And in the Psalms, there's some beautiful hymns about Christmas and the Advent is coming, uh, the Advent of the Christ is, is upon us. And so they're, they're, you know, pointing the way and showing the way towards Christ and how this is an important time of year for us. So we, we rely heavily upon the um, prophets during Advent and then, of course, during Christmas as well, talking about the Nativity of Christ. But we also rely on the Psalms because... Um, now, of course, I'm, I can't remember, but the psalms that we've been singing throughout Advent have been saying the time is now for the Lord. The time is here for the Lord. And so they're a great way to get us focused on what is happening on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I started uh, trying to do, and I'm not doing it as, as often, but whenever I do do it, I, I love it, is uh, Lecto Divina. Yeah. And uh, and I did it with um, the gospel a couple of weeks ago. With John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah. And I always, just like the whole Jesus turning water into wine thing, used to think, oh, it's just a yeah, quick one and done, just a part of the story. It's not just part of the story. It has a lot to do with the Absolutely. story. And I never looked at it until I we were in the season of Advent, and you know, John fasted on, um, it wasn't crickets, it was locusts, uh, and, locusts honey. and honey. And... Uh, it, and he was kind of like the weirdo and he's a lot like us when we're preparing and fasting for the coming of Christ. Yeah. It's ex- that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing what John did. He did it a bit more extreme, but that's what we're called to do is to prepare ourselves for Jesus. Isn't that? And until I prayed with that scripture, it wasn't something that I ever, I never pulled that out of there. Maybe I should have, maybe, you know, I, I sound stupid for saying Something that was Not so obvious. Not at all. But to me, it wasn't obvious until you know I really spent time with it. Well, all right, mark that down as a podcast for future uh, reference because we do need to talk about Lexio because there have been some amazing experiences that I've had in Lexio Divina that other people look at me and say, "What? What does that have to do with the you know anything? What does that have to do with your spirituality or life?" But the Lord was speaking to you in that way in that yes. moment, trying to show you His way. So that's a good experience. That's a good experience. Um, because God was trying to show you something new. So that's exciting to hear. And it doesn't have to make sense to everybody. Maybe it just makes sense to you, and there's a reason for that. Right. Right. Uh, so. I feel with- like we have to do one thing. I feel like I should be sitting here with like a, a, a stocking cap on, and, um, you know, every all the kids are sitting around when we're sitting by this fake fire within the fake Christmas tree. We should be reading the Christmas story, um, you know, uh, in my stocking cap, I went to the window. I heard the footsteps on the roof and all those other fun things. I feel like we should be doing that. But then again, I feel like maybe we should destroy someone's Christmas. Ooh, I like destroying things. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I think is universal amongst all Christians is Jesus being born in a manger and a stable because the inn was full. But you recently told me something that... Even I found astonishing. Right. And I didn't believe you. Yeah. And so I looked it up, and uh, it seems more realistic yeah. than any of the stories that we hear where the inn was full, and they couldn't find a place to uh, uh, to sleep. And you were mentioning a Family Guy episode yeah. of the Christmas, or, or of the... Um, you making know, of fun that, of that, making fun of it, and poking fun at, and you know, Peter and Lois are fighting because obviously Lois is supposed to be the Virgin Mary, and Peter is supposed to be Joseph, and they're fighting because Lois says, you know, you should have booked a hotel room months ago, didn't you know it was going to be full for Christmas? And Peter looks over and says, "What's Christmas?" or something to that effect, and it's just so stupid. <laughs> but 
you know, that's what we as Westerners understand as like the traditional Christmas story. I remember growing up the Posadas that we used to do in grade school at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. They would dress up an eighth grader, two eighth graders, one as Joseph, one as Mary, and they'd go around the gym knocking on different doors trying to find room in the inn so that they could, uh, that Mary could have her baby. But it's such a farce, right? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about why were they there to begin with? Exactly. So what was the purpose? And it, it says very clearly that uh, Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem because that is Joseph's hometown. And they were returning because all of the world, or in this case, all of the Roman Empire, was being tallied. They wanted to take a tally of all the people. And so Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem because when Mary is now uh, engaged and married to Joseph, she is now essentially in their understanding her his property. But being that he she belongs to Joseph, they need to return to his hometown to be enrolled. So they're enrolling the whole universe, as far as they can tell, the whole world. And so you have them being enrolled. So I don't know about you, but every year when we go to celebrate Christmas, granted, we're on this side of creation history, so we know what the whole celebration of Christmas is all about. But when you go home, where do you stay? Do you stay in a hotel? Uh, I usually would stay at you know my mom's house, my, my family's house. Exactly. You're not going to go stay in an inn. Yes, there's going to be a lot of people, but when, you, you know, when you're spread out across Israel, which is a very large state, it's a very large country, and it has, um, it, it, to travel it, it takes time. There's not horse, you don't really have the horse and buggy available to everybody. You know, obviously, no horses in the Middle East. You don't have vehicles that are of that grade of use, um, and especially not for the commoner. So it would have taken time. And then when you got there, you'd spend time with family because you haven't had a lot of time to uh, see each other throughout the year. So, I mean, it would make sense. Where would they go? Joseph's home. His parents' home. So when they get there, well, we have to understand something about the uh, homes in Bethlehem and in general in the Middle East. You know, where's your heat source coming from? What do you think? Uh, typically a fire. Yeah. And then you also have some other things in your house, such as animals. Because you have to keep your livestock safe, right? And they provide some heat. Yep. And so you would put your fire in the innermost part of the house. So that way it would radiate out. And now, that you know, there's an old story. Yeah, and it's of, not like you're bringing a cow into your living room. No. It's a totally different exactly. construction. Totally different. And, I mean, I guess there's a there's a, trans, a, a Greek translation issue from in. Yes. It really means kind of spare room. Yeah, and so like the whole idea is that when you entered into Joseph's parents' house, which I don't know, when I went, so explaining this a little bit further, when I went to the Holy Land, because I went now almost three years ago, and I'm going to be going again in a few weeks, um, but when I went to the Holy Land, we were walking into the Church of the Nativity, and our tour guide is telling us this story. And I, I didn't want to believe him at first, but the more I listened to him, I realized, wow, this makes sense. As we're walking through what they believe to be the location of Christ's birth, as we're walking through it, there's an outer cave 
where you would see a basin full of water to do your washing up. And you would find a place to uh, hang your cloaks and lay your shoes. And then the next room in, which is called the inn, ah, what a novel idea, trying to understand what the inn is, it's the next room in where you would have your living space. And then in the backmost room where you would keep your fire, where you would keep your livestock so that they're protected and they're warm and they're going to provide warmth. They're in the innermost part of the house, the innermost sanctum. And that is what we would call the uh, stable. And so there was no room in the inn. Well, of course not. If Joseph and all of his brothers and their wives and possibly children were there, of course they would have had children, you know, however many siblings that Joseph had and however many children that those siblings had. If there's a lot of chaos going on there and there's something else to remember, a woman giving birth, she bleeds, right? And blood being the life force of the human body, because without blood, the body can't function. Without The blood makes her unclean. And so women could go in and manage that. Women could go in and help Mary give birth. But of course, the men wouldn't have. For years, it was that way. Right. And so you have this understanding that Mary went into the uh, into the uh, stable because it was probably the warmest place in the house, the only place where she could actually lay down. And that way she was separated from the men. Right. Because Jewish cl- cleanliness laws yeah. were, were very, very strict. And yeah, women's blood was definitely not something that. Uh, they they would take that very seriously. Yeah, so. and the other thing is, is that most likely, being that Bethlehem is just a stone's throw from Jerusalem, most likely isn't it like six miles or something. Like yeah, that? something like that. So it's very short. I remember it's a very short distance. So probably about you know a morning's walk to and back. My guess is Joseph and his father and brothers probably went up to the temple to visit the temple because. When you live in Nazareth, you're not going to get there all the time. And if you're being forced to make a journey, you're going to go to all your old stomping grounds. You're going to go to the important places, right? Uh, You know, when I come home to Erie on a holiday, or I'm sure when my friends come home to Erie more so, being that I'm not that far and I'm up here a lot, but you go to the different places that are important. You know, you stop at uh, your friend's house to say hello, or you go over and you go to your parish or your home church, You know, you stop and see the people there. I don't get that luxury because I'm usually at my church celebrating Mass. Or or you go to the local bar that you're going to go see all your friends at. All those different things. So it makes sense that Joseph would go there. The only way he could go is if he didn't get tainted with blood. Very true. So he had to stay clean. So when we think about this inn, they're not walking through the town knocking on people's doors. No, there's no room in the inn. I don't know why I threw on the Russian accent there. And then they slam the door in them and send them off to the next room. No, no, no. First off, birth is a family thing. And it would have been a very important experience for Mary, being that it's her first and only child, that she would be with other women to be taken care of. She would have most likely been taken care of by the local midwife. Shout out to my mother who always likes to pull that story. Midwifery. Midwifery, yes. That is the term. That is the term for what it means to uh, the action of being a midwife. 
but uh, I there there's a listener. Yes, it's a friend of mine who commented on that and said, "I learned something new from your podcast." I'm like, "Well, I'm glad you got something out of the podcast." <laughs> of course, <laughs> learning that's what, the thing. Midwifery. Midwifery. Hey. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. But you know, so you would have had the local town midwife coming in to help with the birth, and um, most likely Joseph's brothers' wives uh, would all be there to help. And they would have been tending to their own children, yes, but then I'm sure they would have gone in there and saw their nephew and um, everybody wants to hold the baby and make sure everything's good and Mary was taken well care of. And think about this too. Joseph was an adult. His parents no longer had children. Why would they have a crib in their house? They probably didn't have one. So where else would you put him but the put him in a manger? And what is a manger? A manger is the food trough. Now, there's a lot of symbolism here. Yeah. The body of Christ is put into a food trough, but it's put in there with care in swaddling clothes, tightly wrapped, kept well together. And so we who feast on the body of Christ now can see that from the moment of his birth, from the moment of his conception, the whole purpose of him was so that we would have food. And that we would be nourished, and not just nourished with the earthly uh, necessities, but of the spiritual necessities. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things there. But I love destroying people's Christmas because it completely changes their understanding and their view on exactly what it is that we're celebrating. Right, and that the shepherds didn't show up right on time. The magi, we know, they didn't come in on right. time. Probably two years after he was yeah, most he was likely, born, most likely. It, um, seeing that Herod wanted to kill two year olds toddler basically yeah. when it, whenever they found out uh when he found out that a, a king had been born yep it really why would he kill two-year-olds if he knew that the child was just born yeah exactly. you know they probably waited he you know the magi probably showed up around two years is what you know a lot of historians are starting to think yeah so yeah. and and think about this now now put your put yourself in joseph's father's foot uh, uh shoes think about this okay you're in your house your entire family's there it is night because remember the angel it says that the the shepherds were asleep in the fields and an angel says to them you got to go to this house in the middle of Bethlehem and i mean the middle of Bethlehem so they had to travel through you know a lot of the town so early in the morning what we would now call christmas day early in the morning you have these shepherds who smell who are being followed by all their sheep because they wouldn't have left their sheep alone. Right. Walking through the first room of your house, through your living room with their animals and going into the innermost sanctum of the house to see Jesus. That sounds almost comical. It is a crazy thought. Think about it. Just think about it. You know, it's, it's all these sheep, the smelly guys walking through your house which you're trying to probably keep clean. Now, I don't know why. I imagine Joseph's father to be a lot like my dad. So he's probably like getting irritated. Like, what are you doing? Bring all the dirt in my house and all this stuff. Walking through the living room with your shoes on. You know, it, it just, it's a funny story, but it's also fascinating. You know, why did these shepherds know where to go? But they were told by an angel. And so they come in and they say to Joseph's father, well, he probably says, what are you doing here? And they say, we're here to see the king. What king? We, the angels, they, it told us to come here. 
an angel told you to come to this house, a random house, which, by the way, was hewn into a rock, another thing to think about. You know, the house that Joseph's parents had was actually inside of a hill. So it was cut into the, the ground. So there's a lot there going on in that story that we as Westerners don't really understand. I feel like we as Westerners don't understand a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. You know, when it comes to history. We're not and, worldly. Right. We are not. I mean, our. But if you think about it, you know, crossing the state of Texas is like crossing all of Europe. Yes. I mean, it's a yes. huge state. So, yeah, we, we are not very worldly. We're very, um, uh, you know, USA-centric. So, USA. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take until we have the uh, the whole story of Christmas, you know, taking place. In the United States, <laughs> so oh. there's gonna, you know, there's gonna be one of those uh, Bible churches that pop up somewhere in the middle of nowhere that's gonna start preaching about uh, Jesus was born in Texas. You never know, son. There, God bless lady. Texas. God bless Texas. Oh gosh, we're gonna get so much hate. Mail. I, yeah, I got a listener from Texas, so that's. Uh, oh, that's we're for, gonna get hate mail. That's for you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Rob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Rob. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Gilbert. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. There you go, Rob. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you better be praying still, Rob. Uh, Rob's getting married soon, so uh, I know he's. I heard. Congratulations. Going, going through marriage, you know, but prep. hey, that's besides. This is his personal information that uh, he doesn't care. Oh, yeah, well, here, okay. Now his address is phone yeah, number, right. his social, social security number is credit card, birthday, all that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, well, what are you looking forward uh, to most this, this Christmas? Um, honestly, honestly, I want to get some sleep. Okay. <laughs> I am so tired, but. I was joking with you about that before, and, and it still is partially true. In every joke, there is a shred of truth. But um, the one thing I will say is that I was listening to the radio on my way down. They were talking, oh, what do you want about uh, for Christmas? And and so my thought, uh, or not my thought, what they said, and then I thought about was kind of true. We are looking forward, for the most part, most people are looking forward to not having to go to work for maybe 48 hours, if they're lucky. Sure. They're looking forward to not have to go to work. And so that gets us away from people. But then what do we do in that 48 hours? We get away so that we can spend it with other people. So we're always with people. And I think that's such an important thing to understand is that, especially me being an introvert, like I would much rather just be alone half the time. But at Christmas time, most especially, I want to be with my brother and I want to be with my cousins and my aunt and uncle and uh, uncles and aunts and my mom and dad. I want to be with those people and I want to enjoy their company. And I think what I'm looking forward to the most this Christmas is the fact that um, for the first time in a very long time, I think we're going to have a really nice Christmas just in my immediate family. You know, there's a lot of good things that have been going on in my life, in my brother's life, in my parents' life. And I think that it's going to be a very good holiday. And I'm really hoping for that. I'm really hoping for that time to be together with them and maybe get a few extra minutes of sleep. Sleep is always you, good. Vince? Uh, I, I think along the same lines of, of what you said, um, us living in Erie, two hours away from Pittsburgh, we don't get down there too much. Uh, so I always look forward to spending that time with the family, even though it can be a real pain in the butt. The morning you got to drive down there, get everything ready to go, 
and hit the road and you're not looking forward to that part. But once you get down there and, you know, you see everybody, you know, it's just something that, um, um, you know, you're thankful for. And on top of that, I don't have to go to work so I can spend more time with, you know, my kids and my wife. And I'm, you know, I'm one of the busiest guys around, uh, with most of my, most of my friends, uh, you know, I was like, you're always working. Well, yeah, I, I am. I got two jobs. One, one I do want, you know, all on, you know, I bring that upon myself cause I, I enjoy it, but, um, it, you know, I can slow down and I get basically two days to slow down. Yeah. And then new year's I'll get another day to slow down, which is good. These yeah. are good things because we all need that rest. And I think that's something that we all need to keep in mind. Um, during this holiday season, we don't have to, you know, make things so impossible on ourselves that we can't get that rest because yes, it's not Sunday where we have to keep holy the Sabbath, but it's pretty important in the church. We have progress, what is considered progressive solemnity. So normal daily mass where it's not as, um, high of a feast day or high of a celebration to where you have high solemnities where it equals Sunday liturgy. So you have Sunday masses and then Christmas, which is, uh, you know, a set date, so it's not always on a Sunday. And so we always have Christmas that, you know, can come up in the middle of the week. It can end up on a Sunday, but it is it should be treated like a Sunday. It should be treated in our, the way that we live it out, the way that we celebrate it. It should be treated like a Sunday where, yes, do we do work on it? Sure. But how do we do the work? It's what work we're doing. And the work that we should be doing on a Sunday is that that praises God and pleases God. And one of the things that uh, liturgy translates to is the work of the people. And so we should first off take time for prayer on Christmas and give thanks to God for the gift of his son. But we also should take time to spend with our family and take time to rest because it is a day of rest. It should be a day of rest. And no, I don't know anybody, well, at least not here in the Northeast, who's going to go out and cut their grass on Christmas Day. But, you know. Well, if you remember correctly, was it two years ago, we got like 10 feet of snow. True. And so instead of cutting my grass, I was out shoveling all day. Oh, I remember. That was a, oh, Lord, do I remember that day. I came home on Christmas Day, and I was at 79, and... Uh, I think it's the Kearsarge Jags at there for the mall. And I went from there to my parents' house out in Harbor Creek. It normally takes me 30 minutes at most, 25, 20, depending on the time of day. shouldn't have taken me three hours to go that distance. But yep. it did on Christmas Day. My dog became famous that day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I yeah. remember seeing I that. I posted an Instagram picture of him playing in the snow. All of a sudden, all the news uh, companies wanted it. Yep. It was, he was on the weather channel. I think I, I had an interview on HLN. They actually <laughs> interviewed me. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm sure you can go back and, and oh, find we it. But, find uh, we got to find that now. Who, if a listener finds it, send us the link so that way we don't have to do the work. That was my, those are my fat days. <laughs> uh, but, fat, uh, what is fat? Come on now. Yeah, but that, yeah, find that because I want to post it on the website now just oh to, boy. you know, but I don't want to have to do the work. So I'm putting it on a listener. Yeah, we'll see if it happens. Uh, so where were we? Well, that's, that's a Christmas in a nutshell. It is Christmas in a nutshell. So, uh, I guess, uh, I have a challenge for you. Oh Father boy. Andy. Is this you what like, you've been warning me about? You like challenges, right? Oh, sure. Okay. So this is a rapid fire game. 
Oh no. So I'm going to say something and I need your immediate whatever oh, pops into this your head. Is bad. And we're going to bad. Don't try to think about it. Just as quick as you That's possibly can. That's the thing can. is like I can't think. I know yeah. you just this is this is why it's going to be fun. This is the deer in the headlights. So moment. I'm going to give you we're going to start off with a with an easy one. Okay. And then we may get into some complicated this ones. Just we'll go be back like to one word ones. or something. One word. Okay. Or one phrase, phrase. What, you know, whatever it is. Okay. All right, rapid fire. Here we go. Your favorite holiday is Christmas. God is love. Your favorite time of the year is fall. Christmas is about love. Your favorite color is red. One word to describe Pope Francis is love. Your favorite dessert is chocolate. The German synod was questionable. Your favorite sacrament to perform is mass. Orthodox Christians are part of us. Your favorite thing about being a priest is Wow, I can't put that in one ah, phrase. Quick. One word. The mass. All right. Very cool. So that was it. That's all I got. Great. Now I have to come up with something for you next time. That ah, works for me. I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> I thought that'd be fun. Uh, you did You did well. Oh, good. You answered oh, all. The, yeah, yeah, the sweat they were all was right. dripping. Yep. That might be because the heat finally kicked on, but the sweat was dripping. <laughs> so you have anything else for us, Andy? Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter, and Happy New Year to you in jail. No one's going to get that unless they watch It's a Wonderful Life. So you got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I'm just telling you. I'm sure everyone else has listened to it or watched it uh, except for me. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. All right. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. God bless.